The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Are you worried about being replaced by a chatbot? In the latest news on artificial intelligence, we still are real, at least for now, but maybe not for long. If you're not worried about AI taking your job, maybe you should be. The Department of Labor projects AI tech will contribute to a loss of 43,000 jobs through the year 2030. At some point, jobs will be lost to AI. Amid all these major developments in the field of artificial intelligence, how long until the machines replace us? Replace us. I'm Charlotte Gartenberg, and this is As We Work from the Wall Street Journal. Freaking out a little? You're not alone. A recent Marist College poll found 55% of Americans believe companies will use AI programs to replace people in jobs. And some of these advances in generative AI are starting to feel like they're encroaching on human territory. Programs like Google's Bard and ChatGPT, which some of you may recognize, It's a chatbot developed by research company OpenAI, which has gotten a big investment from Microsoft. Generative AI like that is getting, well, kind of creative. They can have conversations on philosophy and history. They can write unique computer code. They can put together slide decks. They can write emails or detect patterns and then explain them to you in plain English. But the robots are not going to replace us tomorrow. And honestly, expert opinions on AI draw a more complex picture. One where AI plays a role in our work, but doesn't necessarily take over every aspect of it. Yes, rapid advances in this type of AI could bring some seismic shifts to everyone. The consulting firm McKinsey estimates that 25% of work activities in the U.S. could be automated by 2030. And that's across all job types. According to a study from researchers at the University of Pennsylvania and OpenAI, 80% of the U.S. workforce will have some part of their work tasks affected. And among that group, mathematicians, interpreters, writers, accountants, and journalists. Those are all white-collar jobs, jobs we traditionally think of as being immune to automation. So it's not totally ludicrous to ask, could AI actually replace us? In order to dispel some of my anxieties, and hopefully some of yours, I spoke with Stephanie Bell. She's a research scientist in the AI, labor, and economy team at Partnership on AI. Partnership on AI is a nonprofit dedicated to tackling a lot of the questions around AI right now. And it gets a lot of funding from big tech companies like Amazon and Apple and Facebook parent Meta. So I asked her, is AI coming for my job? Thankfully, not anytime soon. And I can say that with a good degree of confidence. But if you ask me in how many years, uh, that I don't have a good answer to. Wait, but maybe in the future AI is coming for my job? In the medium to distant future. And it won't happen all at once. Okay, so anxiety's not totally dispelled. But Stephanie gave me a lot of real talk about what AI will mean for workers. And real talk point one, affecting a job is not the same as taking a job. So when the UPenn OpenAI study estimates that 
80% of the U.S. workforce will have some of their work tasks affected, it means jobs will change. Yes, some of our jobs will disappear eventually. But she says more than anything, they'll change. They'll evolve. And so will we. Later in the show, Stephanie tells us how. But first, for many, AI is already part of their work lives. Our reporter, Lisa Bannon, talked to executives and workers at a call center. She spent the day listening in on calls and talking to the people who, well, answer those calls. She says the trip gave her a new perspective. I am so nice to these people now. I used to be so impatient and they were wasting my time. And then I, I actually met these people and these are lovely people who are trying to do a good job and they just can't win. They've got AI listening to whether they're warm and friendly or not. <laughs> and then they've got customers yelling at them. So I go out of my way now to um, be nice to them and compliment them. Other than learning to maintain composure despite long hold times, Lisa also found out about how this call center's chatbot is answering calls with a bit more sophistication than, press zero for a human being, please. A company down in Chattanooga called HomeServe that, that sells home repair insurance and service contracts was nice enough to um, invite me down to their call center in Chattanooga. Um, and they have about 400 agents in a big, huge, cavernous office building on the outskirts of town. So about a year ago, the company, the executives, decided they wanted to try a virtual agent. They wanted to add AI to make the call center more efficient. And they named her Charlie. So initially, Charlie was doing very simple things. She answers the phone and answers 11,000 calls a day. That's a lot of calls. It's a lot of calls. And she does it very quickly. And she greets them very politely and asks what they're calling for. And then from there, she routes them to the correct department. Are they enrolling? Are they making a claim? Do they have a billing question? And just by doing that, she ended up saving 36 seconds per call, which is 10% of their average call times, which translates to a lot of money. She is now able to handle claims so that a customer can just call in, say, hey, my water line broke and I've got a leak in my living room. I need a repair. And so she doesn't even have to, you know, hand that call over to a human anymore. She can handle the entire claim herself from start to finish. Whoa. Yeah. She uses empathy. She says, I'm sorry about the leak. And then she also can determine whether it's a serious leak and whether somebody needs to get out there right away. Then schedules the appointment and then the repairman comes out. So this whole thing, start to finish, takes two minutes, whereas the same procedure done by a human being would take about eight minutes. I mean, it kind of seems obvious, but there's an advantage to the company for this, right? What's the big advantage for the company? Well, obviously, they're not going to need quite as many people to answer the phones anymore. Right now, Charlie is handling about 15 to 20 percent of calls, they expect her to be able to handle about 40% in the future. So the company says that the great advantage here is humans will no longer have to do these boring, repetitive, dull tasks that make the job monotonous because Charlie will handle them. Um, so theoretically, the job will be more interesting. The human will handle more interesting 
calls that would potentially require more skill. So there is a level at which Charlie can't handle it. That's right. Is there anything else that Charlie the AI does for the agents? Yeah, she can quickly look at the history of that customer's calls and interactions with the company and quickly determine if they're eligible for an upgrade or a discount and can analyze all of the data that exists in the company's system on a particular customer. Oh, that's super helpful. So in addition to all these things, she's also sort of on the call center worker's screen, let's say, listening and giving the call center worker information that they can then relay to the person they're speaking with? She actually whispers in their ear. Um, she will say, this this client is eligible for an upgrade. Oh she can do that. God. How did the workers feel about this? Well, they kind of like the idea um, that she's going to be doing the boring password resets and some of the stuff that's just tedious. It's particularly helpful for new agents who haven't mm. been there very long. Um, then when I talked to people who were experts, um, had been there for a long time, they felt that Charlie was bossy. She requires them to say certain words um, so that the AI can recognize that they are, in fact, listening. Bossy. Um, yes. Several of the veteran agents take a lot of pride in the knowledge that they have accumulated, the experience they've accumulated over the years, not just in you know selling the products, but in sales tactics and being able to understand human nature, connect with the people they're talking to. And so some of the agents I talk to are concerned if Charlie's going to start telling them what to do, mm -hmm. um, you know, where does that leave them? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned some of the human things because it keeps making me think, like, did any of the workers reflect on their their own sense of humanity having to deal with this AI bot at work? I spoke with an agent named Robert Caldwell, and he was highly experienced. And I sat there while he took a call from an older woman who had called in to change her billing. And he could tell from her voice that she was an older woman. She was vulnerable. She mentioned that she was on a fixed income. And he said, you know, I just didn't feel right trying to sell this older woman an insurance plan because she would have probably bought it if, if I told her to do so. So he did something that an algorithm really is not capable of doing, which is making the decision to stand down and, and not get the sale just for basically for human reasons. Yeah, to be a human. Yeah. And, and there's factors there that... I assume, but I don't know. I assume the AI is not necessarily trained on. Well, you can't train an algorithm on humanity. Well, some might disagree with you. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to see that. Um, I, well, not yet. According to some of the call center agents Lisa spoke to at HomeServe, Charlie the AI is actually a fairly helpful virtual assistant. It calls up information faster than many of the workers can. It whispers suggestions into their ears. It even covers some of the more boring aspects of the job, including entire calls. But there are some downsides. Its suggestions aren't always spot on, and it lacks humanity. 
for now. Our next guest studies how companies can bring AI into workplaces in ways that benefit both employees and the bottom line. Spoiler, it's about working with the AI. Stay with us. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Remember Stephanie Bell, the research scientist who told me that AI might be coming for my job, but not anytime soon? That didn't really comfort me. Did it comfort you? I mean, she'd be the one to know. She recently did an international study of on-the-job experiences with AI, where she looked at workers in India, sub-Saharan Africa, and the United States, including call center workers. She found that the way many companies are currently implementing AI is, quote, reducing workers' ability to exercise their human skills and talents. But her study gave her hope, too. She found that empowering workers early in the process by seeking their input and basically treating workers as subject matter experts, that made the AI work better for both the employees and the company. So we got into the nitty-gritty, starting with a bit of reassurance. When we talk about AI coming for jobs, a lot of people, myself included, before I got into this area, really think about, okay, so a software is going to take over my job or a robot's going to take over my job. And what actually happens is we find one software that can do one part of one of your tasks. And slowly over time, that gets better and better until maybe it can do the whole task or it can help you with the task. And if you think about that happening for all of your tasks over time, um, that's, that's when a job could go away. Okay, but you sound pretty sanguine about this. Are you worried that AI is coming for your job? I was not worried until I saw a demonstration recently uh, where the AI system was able to pull a bunch of different uh, themes and trends out of a spreadsheet with, you know, an English command rather than some kind of specific command that you'd use in a spreadsheet program. Uh, It put together a bunch of slides that looked honestly pretty polished, and then it took a bunch of rough notes and turned them into a prose document. That was when I started to say, okay, we're talking about something new and different here. Whoa. Hmm. Well, a number of tech execs and top artificial intelligence researchers are calling for a six-month pause in the fast development of AI. Tesla CEO Elon Musk, AI pioneer Yeshua Bengio, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak... They sign this open letter. Here's a bit of it. Contemporary AI systems are now becoming human competitive at general tasks. And we must ask ourselves, should we automate away all the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Should we develop non-human minds that might eventually outnumber, outsmart, obsolete, and replace us? Do you agree with that, Stephanie? I mean, what do you make of that? There are a lot of fun things to pull apart in that letter. Uh, And I think the first thing I'll say is that not just this letter, but for a lot of the industry, and this is my personal perspective, a lot of what we're being told about AI right now is a lot of marketing hype. 
the programs aren't coming for anybody's jobs anytime soon. We certainly aren't at the state where we can replace entire humans with single programs or even a suite of programs uh, for almost any job that's out there right now. Uh, and so I think the first thing I'd say to anybody who's listening is I don't think that now is the time to start getting worried about that. Uh, I do think there are other legitimate concerns that are raised there, though. And I think I, I do think it's time for all of us as a society to start paying attention and, frankly, for regulators to start looking very closely at which of those impacts look like they're most likely uh, and, and start working on finding ways to make sure those don't happen. Where does your concern lie when it comes particularly towards people's livelihoods and being replaced, that part of this letter? So I think the biggest concern here is that we're seeing the development of a lot of programs that are explicitly intended to replace humans, you know, writing skills, uh, summarization. And when you create a program that's trying to replace a human at those tasks, and that's what you're training it to do and making progress on that, you end up with something that eventually replaces a person. When we could take a totally different path, these, these systems are much better than we are at lots of different things, pair them with a person as mm -hmm. opposed to trying to replace one of the most abundant resources we have in the global economy, which is human labor and, and human skills. Yeah. So to have uh, the AI so, complement what we're exactly. doing. I feel, I feel like we're going a bit negative, though, because I, I know that there's people, particularly Sam Altman, who co-founded OpenAI, and you know that's the company that has ChatGPT, which... We're talking about plenty right now. And he seems very sunny about all this. You know, AI is going to help people pursue more creative work. And your research is directed at how tech gains can translate into the creation of higher quality jobs. So give me some sunny here. Where, where is AI giving us higher quality jobs and where might it soon? Yeah, I certainly don't want to come across as a, as a complete downer on this. Um, <laughs> I do think that there are a lot of upsides to these technologies. Uh, and I think the first way you find those upsides, no matter where in the economy you're working, is by talking with your team and talking with your workers. Part of the problem about how these technologies are being developed currently is that it's a lot of decision makers talking to themselves, which makes sense. That's how things normally go. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you think about what creates effective use that integrates well into a workplace and that people are excited about, it's when you start doing things like asking Tell me about the biggest problems or challenges you have in your job and whether you'd want a technology to help you uh, try and make your way through that. I just wanted to know if you had an example, maybe even from your own work, where you were like, oh, my goodness, this helped me so much. For sure. If you think about, you know, applications of some of these, uh, you know, new large language models, the chat GPTs, you mentioned Sam Altman, um, a lot of that you'd see potential improvements in trying to take out some of that. Um, it's not exactly busy work. We all need to do it in order to be able to keep our jobs moving. Mm -hmm. uh, but just think about your email inbox right now. And if it looks anything like mine, it's a problem. Oh, you hit me where it hurts. <laughs> I used to be a zero, a zero inbox kind of woman. And it just, I just got too busy. I, can AI help me with that? Is that something that's happening already? People are starting to use it to write emails. So I, I don't want to say that it's a good thing necessarily that all of us end up talking to each other's bots, basically. <laughs> um, but on some issues, that's actually more efficient. If you think about scheduling emails, for instance, if you just kind of click like schedule with Charlotte, 
and give access to calendar. And all of a sudden that call ends up within the time frame I say it needs to happen by. Like to me, that would be glorious. And similarly, you know, you've got a big meeting. The entire point of the meeting is to communicate some idea to somebody. The point of the meeting is not to create a presentation. Uh, and mm. so if you've got the idea and you can create the presentation with much less effort or time and then just kind of look at a, a good first draft and edit from there, which is something that companies are starting to push as if not, you know, already out in the world, going to be out in the world soon. If, if it's as good as they say it is, that's a huge time saver for somebody who has a job that looks like that. Yeah, yeah. I can see where AI creates more efficiency or we hope it creates more efficiency. But I, I, I wonder what to do if I'm at one of those companies that's implemented an AI solution that doesn't really leave me a whole lot of autonomy. Um, how should workers respond in that situation? Yeah, that's a really tough one. And I think my first piece of advice would actually be to the managers and to the executives in that situation, which is to say, make sure before you require these systems that they're actually producing the results that are advertised. We all know that as individual workers, especially as frontline contributors, you don't have a lot of power to change the direction of an entire company. But what you will have the opportunity to do, hopefully, is to demonstrate when things aren't going right. Any boss who is worth their salt as a manager should be paying attention to what their frontline workers are saying is going well and going badly mm -hmm. uh, because they're the ones who are closest to that work. Um, you need that human judgment. And yeah. we need to make sure that humans who are working with these systems still have that decision-making power and autonomy yeah. to exercise that, that judgment. Yeah. I know that some companies are using these bots to monitor people at call centers, to monitor all of the calls, and they get graded on that. And that's part of their performance review. Yeah. I mean, how do you and defend against that? Honestly, it's hard. Some companies use it just to kind of give people a heads up. Uh, it's one more feedback system that exists in your kind of repertoire of information as you're trying to improve in your work. Others use it as an actual performance evaluation tool and will absolutely ding you for not sounding happy enough on calls that probably should sound a little sad. Uh, and so part of it is yeah, it, it, I, you just made a, a face. I know, I'm making <laughs> your face. Exactly like, oh, my God, <laughs> then what do I do? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, in that situation, as, a, as an individual worker, you can talk to your coworkers and see if other people are experiencing the same thing. Certainly when managers hear things from multiple directions, they're more likely to believe that it's true as opposed to just one person experiencing what might be an individual or idiosyncratic problem. But I think whether I like it or not, AI is is coming into my world and a lot of other workers' worlds. And the big question is, how do I position myself to best take advantage of using the AI at work? Great question. And <laughs> it's one I've been thinking about a lot, not just in my research, but also my own work life. Uh, and I think my first recommendation, make sure you follow the rules <laughs> that your organization has. Don't be using these systems on the sly. Uh, so caveat in place, um, you know, start experimenting, start playing around with it uh, in environments that aren't high stakes. You know, don't use the presentation builder to build the big presentation that you've been working on uh, the content for for the last year yeah. uh, that goes in front of, you know, <laughs> your skip level manager. Don't do that. All right. Some more <laughs> think about stakes. using it to, you know, Create a jokey slideshow for your friend's 40th birthday uh, talking about the hits over the years. Um, much safer testing environment as long as you make sure to edit it and not make your friend mad. Uh, <laughs> this, this example is sounding very personal, Stephanie. 
<laughs> I might have stepped a, a foot or two over the line in the past. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we started this conversation asking if AI is coming for our jobs. How should we be thinking about this instead of maybe that question? I would absolutely think about it in the context of how is AI going to change the work that I do? Start thinking about where you might want some help. Those are places where you can start, you know, taking that experimentation, you know, provided that you've learned from not making your friend mad at their birthday party (laughs) uh, and uh, start integrating it into your work life. And I think that's one option. A second option is thinking about what this means in terms of new skills that you might want to have Mm. or um, also what you'd be doing with extra time in your role if some of the stuff that takes you a while now just took less time in the future. Uh, either because the task is now entirely assumed by a software program or a robot, uh, or because you have enough assistance with it that it kind of speeds along quickly. Think about a world where skills are constantly evolving and changing, tasks are constantly evolving and changing, and you fit somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. Uh, try and plot the path that would be ideal for you and steer towards it to the best that you can. Yeah. And keep an active conversation going with your, your supervisor or your team about what you want that to look like. So that way, as it becomes clear that perhaps there is a bit of slack in in your eight hours a day, uh, you have something that you'd be happy to do with it as opposed to, you know, start to get concerned that maybe you aren't needed or um, you're assigned something you'd really prefer not to be doing. (laughs) Oh, man, wouldn't we all love that? (laughs) It would be glorious. (laughs) Stephanie's recipe for evolving with the AI. Plan ahead and experiment with what's new. Test out how you might use these programs on something low stakes, like a slideshow, to hopefully not publicly embarrass a friend. Then think about where things might be going. Which of your job tasks might go smoother with an artificial helping hand? And plan for new job possibilities that might come with the time you save. And remember, keep your manager in the loop. You might not be able to change how the company rolls out the AI, but you can play a role in how you use it. Remember a few years ago when every company was calling itself a tech company? Well, these days, Walmart kind of is. Next week, we hear about how one of the world's largest private employers is training its workforce to handle all the big tech changes happening out there. And yes, AI could be a big part of it. Like the show? Tell your friends to subscribe and give us a five-star review on your favorite platform. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. This episode was produced by me, Charlotte Gartenberg. Jonathan Sanders is our booking producer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval are our sound designers. Jessica Fenton composed our theme music. Editorial support was provided by Falana Patterson. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>